we are excited to share our most downloaded 2023 episode featuring our guest, Margot Gurlnick, entitled Closer Look. This story resonates with me and many others because of how she learned to slow down during daily dog walks and appreciate the details of the surrounding natural world. I'm excited to share again our most popular episode of 2023. Hello and welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett and I'm your host. Hi, John, and hello, listeners. I'm Nina May from Wonder Dog Magazine. I'm so thrilled to be back and contributing to the show, this time to share a conversation with a creative guest. Margot Goralnik is the architecture and interiors editor at Remodelista. She is the author of the book The Low Impact Home, a source book for stylish, eco-conscious living, which provides a future-minded and sustainable approach to home design. Most people, however, know Margot from her Dog Walk Diary series on Instagram. Each day, she posts a different image of nature objects she's carefully selected and arranged in an artistic collage. It all began when she would go on daily walks with her dog Enrique, who opened up Margot's eyes to the magical details of nature. At the same time, she finally came to realize the true power of how dogs can transform our lives and perspectives in meaningful and positive ways. Margot, let's jump right in. It's Dog Save the People. Perhaps start telling me what your earliest memories are of dogs. Did you grow up with dogs? What was your household like? I did grow up with a dog. He was a black Labrador retriever. And I'm embarrassed to say the dog was a member of the family, but I didn't pay great attention. I was not close to the dog. At the time, I grew up in a suburb of Boston. We didn't have leash laws then, and dogs just roamed freely. So we didn't walk our dog. We just let him come and go as he wanted. And it took me a really long time to fall for dogs. So you grew up in a family in tune with nature and specifically plants. Tell me, what was it like? Did you always have plants around you? Were you a family of gardeners? Yes, very much. My father was a mild-mannered surgeon who spent his off hours tending to seedlings on the ping pong table in our basement and grew a great vegetable garden and really loved plants and taught my mother to garden. And she felt the same. And the inside of our house was a jungle, thanks to her. And she tended the flower beds and just filled our house with plants and also with Marameco patterned fabrics. And those are abstract plant designs. And I was definitely taught to appreciate them and to garden. And I just took it all in and liked it, but I also never felt compelled to be a gardener particularly. Always thought I should, but I married a gardener, fortunately. And I have a son who is now 28, and he was a born naturalist. And he has landed in the plant field studying plant microbiology. Fortunately, we have a lovely back and front yard garden, and it was his play place and classroom. And he just studied all of the life intensely and opened up my eyes to what's in our own yard. But it's not a natural thing for me other than liking plants. 
what happened in your life around the time you had your two children and finally a dog comes into your house? I talked about my son, Asa, but I have a daughter, Nell, who's now 26. And she, early on, really gravitated to dogs. I remember her telling me that my sister's dog, Monk, was her favorite relative. She would help my sister feed Monk and take walks and really fell in love with Monk and then really got to know all the dogs in our neighborhood. And then she got a job walking the dog across the street. And she had a fur allergy that we discovered early on. We would test other dogs by bringing them into our car. So it was an enclosed space. And unfortunately, so often, Nell would be sneezing and have her eyes swell up and things like that. And eventually, she was spending time at a friend's and they had Havanese and she did well with that dog. But we wanted a rescue. And so I kept looking. And fortunately, a woman had rescued a poodle. And she wrote, this dog has the nicest disposition. He gets along with everyone. And he was easygoing, but he was not a fearful small dog. So we went and saw him. And I remember when he came trotting out, was not love at first sight for me. My daughter, (laughs) she loves all dogs. She was thrilled. And Nell lavished him with love from the start. And I, of course, did fall in love with him. Our son, Asa, was at sleepaway camp. And the minute he came home from camp, he said, oh, what a great fellow. And he was the one who had named him Enrique. He, at the time, was into baseball. And there was an Enrique baseball player, but we liked the name. And it fit because Enrique was found in Spanish Harlem. Yeah, that sounds like a great name. And would you say he was primarily your daughter's dog or the family's or yours? He was the family's, but my <laughs> daughter, I would say, definitely loved him the most from the start. With his dog, Enrique, how did your relationship develop? He would get three or four walks a day, so I was certainly giving him one of them. And I completely enjoyed that. He was fun to walk. And for the first few years, it was just something that got me up and out. Enrique was compelled to meet everybody and he would be leading me on these walks and we would see groups walking ahead of us and he'd be pulling me until we got very close to them and I was practically bumping into them and then he would completely stop and look away so it looked like I was the one (laughs) wanting to suddenly say hello and there were these groups of Talmudic scholars walking in our neighborhood and so it's often very funny because I would be saying oh hello to people who would ordinarily not want to be saying hello or having me bump into them. But Enrique would drag me up the road into their midst. See, I'm biased because I know all my neighbors and I met my boyfriend through the dogs. So I talked to all the dog people. Oh, that's so nice. You turned your walks into something so beautiful and magical and you started the dog walk diary. It really just came about very gradually along the way. As we were walking, I would naturally be picking things up that I found. I'm also a very fast walker, but since he was always stopping, I was stopping. And since he was sniffing out what was going on, I started to, too. I started looking more closely at things that I had often just breezed by. We live in a neighborhood filled with beautiful old trees. So really, I noticed lots of incredible shapes and colors. 
that's how I took them in is these abstract things that I thought were remarkably beautiful year round. So I would arrive home with fistfuls of often leaves or interesting branches or fallen flowers. And at first I would just arrange them on the windowsill outside our front door as a kind of makeshift shrine. And I started one day making one of these arrangements on our kitchen counter as a flat space. And that was even more fun and more forgiving. No wind, yes. more space. <laughs> as we did this more, he got more attuned to my stopping. And as he got older, he liked taking those breaks. He would sit very happily and companionably by my side. It just gradually became something that I started to do. And then eventually every day for the last seven or eight years. Who knew that you could find such incredibly beautiful things on a dog walk? You've turned them into such beautiful pieces of art. From an early age, I was fascinated by vintage things and relics from former eras. I would arrange my vintage collections as a child in the same way I do now. I'm also someone who always loved show and tell in school, and I wanted to display what I had found. And I've always found there to be a kind of magic in beautiful everyday objects. And that's the thing that continues to surprise me is that there are surprises every day when I look closely at what's growing literally right across the street and down the street from us. And also now wherever I go. I want to tell you that you are also an inspiration to a lot of other people. Even my non-dog owning, not even dog interested friend started to do a weekly collage that she sends to her family. Oh, nice. So it might be leaves, it might be theater tickets, it might be something from an exhibition that she found. So it's inspired by you. And I know from your Instagram that there are thousands of followers who wait for every post from you. So I think it's fair to say that you have, through Enrique and through the Dog Walk Diary, really gotten a new identity. It's been so gratifying that other people are interested in doing their own thing and sharing it with me. I love when people teach their kids to do this and send me photos of what they've created. And it's just nice to have a community. So we've got these strands from your childhood. We've got the dog, we've got the plants, and we've got your collecting expertise. As part of the Dog Walk Diary, you also found some inspiration from previous artists or even current artists. Can you give me some examples of whose influence has now entered your life much more? There are certain artists that I've always loved, like Sonia Delaunay and Matisse's cutouts and Calder's wire sculptures. And I would say they continue to be pieces that I look to and love. But it was nature artist Andy Goldsworthy, whose work I had known for a long time and was dazzled by. And I would say he remains a great source of inspiration. So I look at his work, but what I do, I think, is much more miniature, small, quick. <laughs> and so I hope I'm able to make it my own that way. And both of my children are channeled into this daily practice of mine from having raised them and what they both taught me. Enrique is sadly no longer with us. When my dog Pippa passed away, I kept on texting neighborhood people saying, can I borrow your dog? I just needed to touch fur and have this beautiful little creature in my house. And I got my own again. But how have those months been without a doggy? They have definitely been a real gear shift and hard and sad. But it's been 
so helpful to be going through it together and to have our children from afar weighing in and talking about him. The day Enrique passed away, our daughter who had compelled us to adopt him, we couldn't reach at first. She was in another state at the time. And then suddenly we got this text from her. And here's an excerpt of part of what she wrote. Dogs live simultaneously in their mystery world and our world. Connecting with them connects us daily to a mystery we can accept. Enrique returned us to the heart of things, glued us together in our love for him, and we got to love each other all the more for sharing that. As he moves from this dimension to the next, may we trust in the great beyond and let him go. With so much love, thanks, and Manchego. Manchego was his favorite cheese. <laughs> oh, bless him. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. There isn't a day that we don't talk about him and miss him. Since losing Enrique, I've now started noticing how wonderful other dogs around me are. And I am that person who says, oh, can I come up and say hello to your dog? And it's completely new in the last few months. And now I really understand what my daughter has seen all along. So beautifully said. Enrique and I, for so many years, was just the two of us. So I think reaching out to others has helped. I now walk with a friend regularly. Something I learned from taking regular dog walks is that getting up and out somehow enables me to immediately shift gears and enter a different realm, erase the slate, and calm down, slow down, and start noticing new and magical things. I've started doing it as a daily practice, wherever I am with and without a dog. But I think that my approach to what I do is now more sophisticated, and I'm honoring the plants as much as my memory of Enrique and what he's taught me. What I find wonderful is that you kept this pace that Enrique introduced you to, and this look around the world you really kept that after he passed away so his influence on you it seems to be there and from what I can see and hear from you is unchanged I really hope that there's another little poodle somewhere waiting for you to collect <laughs> with you to look at nature and to maybe meet some of the neighbors we really hope so and the nice thing is that my husband and I both feel strongly that we want another dog and we are traveling a lot until the fall. So we've said, come fall, that's when we hope we can adopt another dog. Lovely. So Margot, please tell me where we can see your prints, where we can buy them. And also, I understand that you've been working with a shop in the Boston area about exhibitions. Tell me more. I post a new image every day at Dog Walk Diary NYC on Instagram. And then I have a website where you can also see everything, dogwalkdiary.com. And that has a print section and there are archival pigment prints in limited editions of 10 and currently have a lot of work up in a lovely store in Cambridge, Massachusetts called Abroad Modern. It's at 292 Concord Ave. And some of the pieces are at the Abroad Modern website, abroadmodern.com. Beautiful. Margot, it's been such a great pleasure to speak to you. Thanks again, Nina.
I found it inspiring to talk to Margot and hear about how so much of her life without knowing was building her up to the Dog Walk Diary project. From her parents' love for plants and nature, to her daughter's love for dogs, to Margot's love for collecting relics and objects from a young age. All these roads eventually led to this beautiful artistic expression with Enrique, of course, as the conduit to bring it all together. It's become such an important ritual in her life and it inspires others as well to see things differently. While people can sometimes feel dog walks are an arduous and monotonous task, Margot proves that it can instead be yet another area where dogs can open us up to new possibilities and ideas. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is made by As It Should Be, a production company and content studio. It is made with the support of Scott Benaglio, executive producer, and Jack Summer, our producer and editor. Special thanks to Daniel Lampert, our neighbor and composer, for creating the music for the show. You can follow Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow our show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. To sign up for our monthly email newsletter, you can go to dogsavethepeople.com. On the website, you'll also find show merch in our online gift shop. This includes shirts from the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, for 